0: Uh, this biblical account of the birth of Jesus. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. This created a problem for her future husband, right? And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. This is the reading of the very word of God. God gives us his word because he loves us, and he wants to communicate that love to us. You may be seated, please. Christmas is about reunion. At Christmas, there's, there's almost a primal longing, isn't there, that draws us to be together, together with those um, we love. That's why everybody's on the move, right? You're crazy if you want to go out and drive on I-75 or the turnpike um, today, Right? Roads are uh, backed up, um, airports are um, slammed, uh, plane <clears throat> ticket is hard to come by. Everybody is headed home, right? Because it's like this gravitational uh, pull towards those we love. We hear that in, in, in a Christmas song uh, like Bing Crosby's, I'll be what? Home for Christmas, Right? I'll be home for Christmas. Publix, every Publix commercial is about this, right? Gathering around the table um, for reunion. You know, very often reunions do revolve around the table, right? Think of other um, uh, events like the 4th of July. You can almost smell reunion when the ribs go on the barbecue and the um, corn on the cob. Same at Christmas when the roast um, is in the oven, uh, when the cookies are being made, the aroma of Reunion. Our hearts long for reunion. Sometimes reunion, we yearn for it with a desperate intensity. It wasn't that long ago that there was a terrible tragedy in Newtown, Connecticut. Maybe you remember it 10 years ago. And um, in this uh, elementary school where um, a um, very troubled young man wreaked havoc there. And uh, when parents heard what was happening at that elementary school, they, um, they jumped in their cars. They had just, really, school had just started for the day, and they raced towards the scene, but they couldn't get to it. They just parked their cars along the roads and they ran, right? Desperate to see that their kids had survived. And um, they, they corralled the parents into a fire station, and then moment after moment, you know, minute after minute, uh, even hour after hour went by, and, and little groups of kids after little groups of kids were brought in. Can you imagine sitting there with all the other parents longing for what? Reunion. Reunion. My, I've got to see my kid walk through that door, right? And, um, and, then, and then finally, when you look as people came in and your child came in, they were safe, they had survived, you would, um, uh, you would, have, you would shriek with joy and then you'd remember. Others were still waiting, right? Sometimes we're desperate for it. Think of, think of soldiers in Iraq and Afghanistan. Think of all the last 20 years we've watched these videos over and over, right? Of uh, sneaking into their child's school, right? And jumping out of a box, you know? Somebody who's been on the other side of the world, a, uh, a dad or a mom, uh, a husband or a wife, reunions in the airport, reunions in, you know, in football stadiums, right? They bring tears to our eyes. We can't get enough of watching those videos. We love reunion, and that's what Christmas is all about. Um, there's a you know why? Why do families feel the need to be together? Perhaps it's deep in in, the, in our souls. We know that Christmas is about reunion, and no reunion we have with family can take the place of the one we long for the most. And that's to be reunited with our Creator, our Maker, our God, our Father. That's why Jesus came. You know, philosophers all through the ages have said that there is a, a God shaped vacuum in every human heart, in the soul. So there's a hole in the soul. And it has to be filled. And we'll fill it with almost anything but God. We'll try to satisfy ourselves, whether it's money or pleasure. Or, uh, or sex, or success, or even family, we'll try to, or even holidays, or even Christmas, we'll try to fill that hole. But nothing, um, nothing can fill that hole but the one who made us. Jack Harris, poor Jack Harris. Jack Harris is a retiree in England, 78 years old. His family uh, wanted him to have something to do, so they gave him a jigsaw puzzle that had 5,000 pieces. He worked on that jigsaw puzzle for eight years. It was five feet long. And what did that tell you about Jack Harris? He hadn't got much of a life is what it tells me. So five years he slaved, uh, eight years he slaved on that five foot long jigsaw puzzle and he got the whole thing, the day he got the whole thing done, it was only then that he realized it was missing the last piece. That is some kind of cruel joke, isn't it? Um, The missing piece and that is the tragedy of a human life that we would spend our whole life trying to fill this emptiness in our soul and never find what really belongs there, the missing piece. You with me? We're gonna talk about reunion. And you know what I'm longing for? You know I've been praying for in preparation for this? That you might hear God speak to you in this service, and, um, and it might really surprise you um, some of you have gone to church, uh, all your life. Some of you have never been in a church or hardly ever. And, um, it might even surprise the ones who have been in church all their life, uh, the most to hear God whisper and say, you know, this Christmas, I want you to come home. I want reunion with you. You ready? Let's talk about it together. Reunion, the first thing we ought to note is that it always takes initiative. Somebody has to take the initiative. Even think of reconciliation. Two people become separated. And uh, generally, somebody has to say enough and make the first move, right? So who makes the first move in reunion with God? Well, the point is, it's God. You shall call his name Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. That's it. It's God. The simple meaning of Christmas is God goes first. God comes into the world. God comes to get us. God puts on flesh, enters our world through the womb of a teenage girl, all to effect reunion. Emmanuel, God with us. It's a realization we don't seek God. God seeks us. We don't find God. God finds us. The Bible says we only love him because he first loves us. God always goes first. God is the initiator. After all, we didn't create God, he created us. We didn't create the world, God created. He always goes first. He's the initiator. God with us is what our souls crave. It was the original design, doing life with God. The story of the Bible isn't our pursuing God. It's his desire to come, his desire to be with us. Um, The Bible says that our first parents, Adam and Eve, actually walked with God. At the end of the day, before they had rebelled against God, they had this intense communion with God. And you know what that tells us is that, you know, the Bible says that there's eternity in the heart of every person. It is built into our DNA a longing to be reunited to God. We remember what it was like. It's inside of every one of us. You can be a non-Christian. You can be an atheist. You can be a Druid. You can be a reformed Orthodox Druid. um, And this longing lives inside of you. I love the account of Sophia Cavallari. She was a child psychologist, and her particular uh, field of study was in spirituality in young children. And she told the story of a little three-year-old girl being raised in an atheist home, never exposed to the Bible. There wasn't a Bible in her home. And um, she asked her parents one day, where did we come from? Where where did I come from? Where did we come from? Where did everything come from? And um, her dad sat her down and very patiently explained to her evolution, um, explained to her the whole scientific uh, process. And... um, um, and then her dad said, but, but you should know that there are people in this world who, who believe that there's an all-powerful being. And they call that all-powerful being um, God. And they believe that he made um, the world this God. And when the dad said that, the little girl jumped up and she began to skip around the room and she said, it's him, it's him, it's him. I know Him. I know God. What you're telling me isn't true. I know Him. (laughs) Um, You know, the Psalm says that this longing is inside every one of us. As the the deer, the Bible says, thirst, as an animal would thirst for a drink from a stream, so our souls thirst um, for connection with the God who made us. Deepest longing of our hearts is reunion, reconciliation with God. So two years ago, Christmas Eve happens, and I come back to work first of January, there's an email. And the email's from a, um, a girl that, that I went to school with, she was a number of years ahead of me, and um, she said, would you call my um, brother, Dan, she said, uh, "Dan has been diagnosed with terminal cancer." Now Dan and I were childhood friends. Dan and I played ball together in high school. Uh, Dan and I went to the uh, Dan, Dan and I used to play every Sunday afternoon um, basketball. And um, what she said next surprised me. she said, "Dan lives in Sarasota." And uh, that shocked me because I was going to Sarasota the next week when I read that email. I hadn't been to Sarasota in about four or five years, but I was going there next week. And and remember, I hadn't talked to this woman in 40 years. And uh, then the next thing she said really surprised me. She said, he may be hard to... uh," I called her, and she said, he may be hard to find he's homeless. How could Dan be homeless? Dan was the best athlete in our high school. Dan played college football at Wake Forest. He was playing against Oklahoma when he was a freshman in college. Dan um, went to law school. Um, Dan was turning uh, multi-million dollar deals in Atlanta real estate. Um, Dan married a Delta stewardess. I mean, the world was Dan's oyster. And... um, well, it was actually pictured, this is back when I, this is a little later on in life, there's my friend Dan. So I, I asked his sister, um, when, did he, when did he become homeless? How did that happen? She said it was right after the death of our, uh, of our dad, about six years earlier. So I go down to Sarasota and I find Dan and he's, uh, I said, hey, let's get together. He said, well, I, I gotta go to chemo. Um, taking a bus to chemo maybe later today. I said, I'll come pick you up, I'll take you to your chemo. And uh, we went, afterwards we went to lunch and, and Dan told me the story of his life. And Dan always wanted his dad's affection. His dad was a football coach. It's hard to have a football coach for your dad. And no matter how good he was or how good he was at life, he never met his dad's standards. His sister told me that on his dad's deathbed, Dan stood over his dad uh, weeping when his dad was in a coma just moments before his death and said, Dad, all I ever wanted was your approval. It's all I ever wanted. And you never gave it to me. So I met with Dan. Is it any wonder that he dropped off the grid? Because he lived for his father's approval. His father died, that was it. There was no reason to live anymore. I sat with Dan. I told him the story of the prodigal son. You know that story in the Bible? It's about, about a rotten kid who disrespects his dad. And that when life caves in, he actually heads home and, uh, and receives the most unanticipated um, welcome. His father runs out, hugs him, and kisses him. And, uh, and I said, Dan, you know what you were longing for from your dad your whole life? You can have that f- from your heavenly father because ultimately, even if you had it from your earthly dad, it wouldn't have satisfied you. It wouldn't have filled the void in your life. You really need it from God. And Dan said, Ray, I got to be honest with you. I don't feel like God's ever moved towards me. I said, Dan, I'm sitting uh, in Florida and I get an email that says, you're down here, you're dying, and God sends me right to you. I mean, I'm God's messenger to you. He wants you. And if that's not enough, Dan, Jesus actually put on flesh and came into the world. That's God moving toward you. Jesus came into the world, Dan, so that you could know you have a father who loves you. And I want to tell you, I saw that guy's life totally change. Because he he experienced reunion. You with me? It's the one thing we need. And God takes the initiative. God comes after us. And I pray you experience that too. Six months later, I did Dan's funeral in Atlanta. And I could tell the folks there, my friend Dan, my childhood friend that I hadn't seen for 35 years, we reconnected. Dan died with a smile on his face. So not only does God take the initiative, but let's talk for a minute about the the separation. Why is there separation? She will bear a son, the angel said, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. That's what Jesus means. The word Jesus means God saves. Saves from what? You know, people seem to call the preacher and say, um, because a woman called me and said, my husband is um, in the hospital he's dying and I don't think he's a Christian just like the Dan's sister um, and, uh, and uh, I said okay I'll go talk to him and I went to the hospital and I, I um, made small talk with a man didn't know him that well but I said um, um, hey have, you know it's pretty obvious your, your health isn't that great and uh, things health wise aren't going so good for you I said, have you made your peace with God? And uh, the man said, "Um, oh, I didn't know we'd quarreled. (laughs) Well, that's what the Bible says. The Bible says in Isaiah, your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. Your iniquities, your wrongdoing, your sin has separated you from God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not... Here, no reconciliations ne- needed. You see, God's design was to do life with us. Emmanuel, God with us. Uh, that was the design. But we ruined it. We divorced him. Um, we said, no thanks. I can do it myself, right? Um have to realize there's a harshness uh, to that. I was driving a- and... Um, I came up to a, uh, a street I didn't have the right-of-way. I was about to pull out on the street. A car's coming, but it was really slowing down. I was sure it was going to turn right, and I could pull out in front of him. And uh, as I started to pull out in front of him, uh, it's clear I had miscalculated, and he laid on the horn to let me know he wasn't happy. But that wasn't enough. He rolled down the window. I actually stopped, sort of blocked my, me from pulling out. Rolled down the window and, um, and shouted through the window a two-word greeting. Um, it wasn't Merry Christmas. And, uh, in fact, he wagged a finger at me and it wasn't this finger that he, um, and and, you know, it it just takes you back, doesn't it? When someone comes at you with that kind of, um, a a harshness, right? That kind of just shoving you away. That's what the Bible depicts, uh, what we've done, uh, to God. This is what we gave God. We, 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 shoved him away. And the effect is dramatic because when you lose God, um, you lose what you're created for. We're made for connection with God. It's like what happens to a body when, the, when the, the spirit, when the person leaves the body, the body immediately begins to disintegrate. What happens to nations? What happens to environment? What happens to the culture uh, of a people? What happens to families with the absence of God? They fall apart. Solzhenitsyn was troubled by what had become of his beloved Russia I mean Russia was one of the leading lights of the world some of the best authors some of the best uh, art ever produced obviously some of the best music ever produced in the world were produced by um, Russians and uh, and Russia had become a place of totalitarianism and, and the highest abortion rate in the world the highest alcoholism in the world um, terrible um, spousal abuse, um, uh, drug addiction. Solzhenitsyn uh, um, worked, his life work was on the the history of Russia. And he said, everywhere I went, I would ask the old babushkas, what has happened to us? What has happened to us as a people? And he said again and again and again, they would say the same thing. We forgot God. We forgot God. It has this effect on a culture. Susie Hamilton was um, a... um, Fabulous athlete for the University of Wisconsin in her conference, the Big Ten. You know what the Big Ten is? It's like Purdue and Ohio State and Michigan. And, um, she she's so accomplished that athlete of the year, female athlete of the year in the Big Ten conference in all those schools, that award was named for Susie Hamilton. Not track athlete of the year, just female athlete of all sports named for her. She was represented the United States in a number of Olympics um, Susie Hamilton is a real estate uh, agent. Susie Hamilton is um, married. She has children. She has a family. And um, Susie Hamilton was found to be um, a call girl in Las Vegas, had this second life. And of course, people said to her, You had everything beauty, health, fame, everything. What are you doing? And her answer was, there's a void in my life, and I am desperately trying to fill it. That's exactly what we're talking about, right? You can have all the good things in this world. You can be as accomplished as Susie Hamilton, but there's a hole there, and there's a separation from God, and only God can fill it. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, you know, was a clergyman in Germany who stood up against um, Hitler. In fact, he plotted with others to assassinate Hitler. When that assassination failed, Bonhoeffer was imprisoned, and um, Hitler had him strung up and hung with piano wire. He was hanged with piano wire in uh, Tegel Prison. So he spent his last Christmas on earth in prison, just before his execution. And Bonhoeffer wrote that You know, being in prison is in such a bad place at Christmas time because it reminds you, when you're in prison, you're locked in and you can't get out because the lock is on the outside of the door in prison. And somebody has to come from the outside to open the lock and let you out. That's what Jesus came into this world to do because he was not willing for his brothers and sisters to be separated from their father. You got it? So, reunion. He wants reunion. Um, what's the cost? Let's talk about that finally. A reunion is costly. It's expensive. Listen, some of you have come from a long way to be with your families. It's not cheap, right? Unless you feel an allegiance. And then you're just happy you made it, right? Right. Um, my grandfather lived in New Jersey. All my family, I was raised in Miami. There were six kids in my family. My grandfathers we grew up, we scattered to the wind. And he hated that he couldn't get together with all of us. So you know what granddad did? He, um, he flew us all to New Jersey. And even when I started dating my wife, Diane, uh, before we were even married, before we even engaged, he paid for her to go to New Jersey. It was hyper expensive, but he didn't care. He wanted reunion, willing to pay the cost. Jesus came to pay the cost for reconciliation with God, and the cost was his life. The Bible says the Son of Man did not come into this world to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. There it is. Every other world religion, this is what I'm about to say, every other world religion says you have to be reconciled to God, but you pay the cost. There is a God and it's up to you to follow the rules, make the pilgrimage, practice the fast, purify yourself, give your money, to be right with God, it's on you. Only Christianity says, God says, no, it's on me. I'll do what man cannot do. I'll open the door to the prison cell. I'll take that on myself, I'll pay the cost. Jesus came to offer his life as a payment, as a ransom for us. And the cost was humiliation. We know we like, to, we like to make Christmas scene there in the, in the manger sweet. But the, the wood of that rough manger was just a precursor to the wood of the cross, right? Um, think of the humiliation of God becoming small, weak, dependent, a nursing child, a child who wets himself, who has to be cleaned and changed, laid in a feed trough, becomes a refugee, has to, be, um, has to race to Egypt to save his life from Herod, and ultimately dies beaten and bleeding, abandoned, naked, and humiliated. That's Christmas. That's what Christmas is about. You say, no, no, that's what Easter is about. That's what Good Friday is about. Well, that's what Christmas is about. The whole purpose of Christmas is to get to Good Friday, isn't it? He paid the price for reunion." Oh, what a God. Um, it's the gift we most want. Jesus, you know, Mark Twain wrote the story of Huck Finn. Huck Finn had a friend. Beautifully illustrates this. His friend, Tom. Tom was, uh, was a runaway slave. And, um, um, and in fact, um, it was Jim, excuse me. Jim was a runaway slave. And... Um, it, uh, Huck Finn found out that to ha- be harboring a runaway slave was illegal, and he also heard a preacher say that if you did that, you'd burn in hell. So he wrote a letter to the, the slave owner that uh, the Jim had belonged to, uh, and told them Jim's whereabouts. I didn't want to burn in hell, so he put that letter in his pocket, though, and he went to bed that night. and He laid there in the bed, and he thought. Jim is the best uh, friend I've ever had. Jim would defend me. Jim watched over me when I had to sleep. He'd stay awake to make sure we were safe. I mean, Jim and I have traveled together. We've eaten together. Jim's the best. But I don't want to burn in hell. But Huck woke up in the morning, took that letter out of his pocket, and he tore it in half, and he said, um, I'd... Uh, I'll choose um, Jim. I'll go to hell. I'd rather go to hell than lose Jim. That's what Jesus said. We profess that, you know, in the Apostles' Creed. He descended into hell, we say, in the Apostles' Creed. Jesus comes to earth because he would rather go to hell than lose you. And here's what I'm saying, Friends. There's a point at which all this religious stuff becomes deeply personal to you. It's not a bunch of mumbo-jumbo belief system. There's a God who made the heavens and the earth, who puts on human flesh and comes in this world because he wants reunion with you. What I'm telling you is there's a gift that you need this Christmas and you can't afford it. Jesus paid for it. It's reunion. And when you have it, then Christmas will never be the same. And life itself will never be the same. So Christmas 2021, come home. Come home. Your father's waiting for you. Come home to Jesus. It's the missing piece. Amen. Jesus, may, um, may we hear your voice beckoning us come home to you. That all the sweet reunion we experience with our kids and grandkids and families is just a, is just a foretaste, it's just a taste of being reconciled to you. So, Jesus, we're coming home. We thank you. Amen.